Welcome to the huddle with Mo and Lowe. Because some of the greatest life lessons happen in football, we turn that into a show. One, two, ready? Three. Huddles are a time to come together, to strategize, execute, spark creativity, learn, trust, grow, and share. So huddle up. Here are your hosts, Mo and Lowe. Lois, what's going on? I, why are you whispering? What's going on? No. Wait, Monica, I'm out here. I'm out here at the Daryl Green Celebrity Golf Classic in Richmond, Virginia. It is so much fun. Okay, okay my, my, I got my, I got my teammates here, and uh, we're we're out here. They're teeing off right now. It's about to be my turn. Okay, so I'm gonna have to jump off in a second. But um, yeah, oh, can you golf? Hit. Yes, what? you know, yeah, I can do everything. Okay. I, I can golf. Yeah, I got this. I got this. I almost had a hole in one. Almost. Almost. Can you tell me oh, why? Why am I whispering? That's what I can't figure oh, out. Oh, yeah. Why are I'm you whispering? I'm in the whole studio I, by myself. I'm going to yell, and that's going to make you uncomfortable by whispering. Do you miss um, Hello. Well, do you mi- I miss you. Wait. Do you miss me? I do miss you. I'm going to just try to hold down the fort, man. I don't know. It's, this is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. I'll try no, to you make you proud. I got you. Yes. But it's nice out here. The sun is shining. I'm going to... Get me a, a tan out here on the, on the green. Get your little color on your Okay, I gotta go. It's my turn. It's my turn. All right, good luck. Bye, Lois. Well... That was nice. Uh, my co-host decided just to come in and stop for a second. I'm going to get this show started. Hello, party peeps. Monica D. Livingston here with another episode of The Huddle with Mo. And, well, y'all just heard from her. Lo is not here. It's a little quiet in studio today. I am so glad she was able to call in uh, just so we could figure out where she was and just share with us a little bit. She's in the community doing what she always does, which is great work helping um, through sports bring more awareness to women empowerment and all that kind of kind of great stuff and just, you know, helping people reach their dreams and especially little girls. So she's off doing great stuff with uh, the the legendary NFL player, Daryl Green, at the Celebrity Golf Tournament in Richmond, Virginia. You won't be able to go this year, but you will definitely be able to go next year. So make sure you check that out. Um, You know, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of a hot topic. Unfortunately, we lost another legend in the football world, um, the passing of of Jim Brown and Jim passed uh, May 18th. He was 87 years old and he passed peacefully at his home. And, you know, Jim was an NFL fullback for the Cleveland Browns and is literally considered one of the best fullbacks to ever play the game. He's also a civil rights activist. And uh, there's arguments about whether he was the best or not. I'm going to tell you, he's definitely in my top three uh, with the first best running back being myself, Monica Livingston, second one probably being Walter Payton, and then I'll go ahead and go with Jim Brown. Now, if you want to dispute that ranking, feel free to hit me up on Instagram, but make sure you you go to all the videotape and then you tell me if I'm a little bit off. But uh, Brown was invited to every single Pro Bowl every season that he played. I, I don't know if that's ever been done by a player. I need to check on that, but certainly one of the few to be invited every single year that you were ever in the league. And he was recognized by AP as 
is the NFL's most valuable player three times. And of course, we know he won an NFL championship with the Browns in 64. Led the league in rushing yards in eight out of nine seasons. And by the time he retired, he held the most rushing records of anyone. And in 2002, he was named by the Sporting News as the greatest professional football player ever. The thing that I respect about Jim Brown so much is the, what he did off the field. The fact that, you know, when few athletes were speaking out about racial issues, and we were talking like in the 1950s and 60s, he really helped move the civil rights movement forward. Uh, it was growing and he got involved and he was one of the, the most prominent African-American athletes to, to engage in the civil rights activism. And then he called on other African-American athletes to become involved, you know, with similar things off the field using their platform. And, and I think it was in 67 where Brown alongside uh, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Stokes uh, were members of the Cleveland Summit, which was a meeting with Muhammad Ali that held uh, they held with him because at that time, Muhammad Ali was, you know, deciding to be called Muhammad and the United States was in this uproar about civil rights. And all of a sudden he was beloved as a boxer and then the country kind of turned on him. So, you know, we're, we're certainly going to miss him, what he did off the field more than what he did on the field. And it's just been an outpour of a ton of athletes just saying wonderful things about Jim Brown and his legacy. Um, his death got me thinking a little bit about legacy, like what happens after you're gone? And I'm not talking about the, the afterlife, you know, if you go up or down, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the impact that we make. I often say that some people prepare for impact and some people create impact. Some wait and just respond to stuff and others are proactive and they lead. And so I think, you know, as we're talking about Jim Brown and legacy, I just want to challenge all of you to be intentional in creating your impact. Who is it that you want to make an impact on? Is it your community, your family, your workplace? Decide that today. Start with some action towards it this coming week. Just use today as a day to say, you know what, let me let me set myself and figure out what's really truly important important to me. I want more than people saying nice things about me at my funeral or playing cool music. I want to impact how people live and impact what they are able to achieve. That's one of the reasons that Lois and I do this show, literally to help people move forward in sports and beyond. That's why we sit here and we talk about business and balls, balls and business. You know how we get down. All right, let's move on. I got deep there for a second. My bad. Um, in the vein of moving forward, helping others, making impact. I have a team captain that's going to enter the huddle here today. Our team captain this week is Josh Buffington, the Buffmeister. I call him. He doesn't know I call him that yet. We're going to let him know when he gets on the phone. This team captain is a true expert on business and balls. Josh has had great success as a high school basketball coach in Jefferson City, Missouri, being named Regional Coach of the Year, seven-time District Coach of the Year, several state Final Four appearances, and with over a 60% win ratio. That, that's pretty impressive. And on the business side, he's been a franchise owner, a successful startup founder, public speaker, and a highly sought after business consultant. And Josh and I just spent three days together in St. Louis working with the 
Department of Corrections. We were there assisting employees by helping them find their voice and teach positive culture to other employees as they shift, uh, you know, from a culture that really in the prison system has not been steeped in positivity. And we were there helping them find their voice in in order to to make that change. So Josh and I instantly connected. And I think when we get him on the phone, you will see why. So the next voice you're going to hear with me rocking this microphone is our team captain this week entering the huddle, Josh Buffington. Josh, are you there? I'm here. What's How up? You, How you living, What's my up? man? How you living? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing Thanks for great. having me on. Hey, heck yeah, man. I, I already knew. I was telling the people a little bit about you before you were able to enter the huddle. And uh, I, listen, I know you and I, we could talk all day, but we don't have that type of time on this show. So uh, I'm, I'm going to jump right in. You and I hit it off in St. Louis this week. Um, and I want to talk to you about the great work that I, I witnessed you do there with, when we were with the Cardin Group. But before we get that, I, I want to talk about some of the success that you've had on on the basketball court because you know in the huddle we discuss business and balls and so let's start off with uh, the the balls part specifically basketballs you've had a ton of success as a basketball coach what do you contribute to that success like what drives these incredible results that you've been able to have oh my gosh that's a uh well it's it's humbling first and foremost um you know to to answer that question and for someone to ask me that question but it's uh, it's really hard to put into words. I, you know, it goes back a long, long ways. I'm 46 years old. I'm the son of a a Hall of Fame coach in the in the state of Missouri. My dad, Don Buffington, he he coached for a long time. So I grew up in a gym. Mm-hmm. He was a coach of 32 years. Never was an assistant. He had a two year break in there in between for various reasons, and uh, he coached 16 years college, 16 years high school. So really, you know, growing up, that's all I knew, and and. Um, I, I think there are a lot of coaches out there that want to be coaches when they're young. I was really young, uh, five, six, seven years old, knowing that if I didn't continue on to play to high, the highest of levels, I wanted to be a coach. And it was okay. just everything I saw from my dad. And it was, it was just a blessing growing up in the gym and in the locker room. But no pressure? Josh, you didn't feel like you say five or six, right? Did you ever think, I mean, I would think that you identified that because, hey, that's what your dad does, right? My dad was a PE teacher. Right. I became one for a while. Did you? Did, when did it make that switch, that click when you were like, oh, no, this is me. This isn't just dad. I, I'm doing this. I, I got to do this for me. Well, again, every kid goes through waves of emotions and passions, but it, I was always very passionate about the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was one of those guys who would work behind the scenes, uh, you know, work when no one was watching in the dark. And, and you know, you watch kids, you watch players, uh, you look up to people on the court, and those things just drove me uh, externally. But I learned at a young age how to be driven internally, and that was with the help of my father, who was my biggest mentor in the game of basketball and in the game of life. And then, you know, as time progresses, you play through high school, you play in college, you play a little bit overseas, and Again, success does not happen overnight. And I think some of my best coaching years, in fact, were early in my coaching career when we had some losing seasons. Maybe just didn't have the talent or you're taking over a program that's in shambles, but you're forced to coach your way out of a paper bag. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes a success that night is, a, is an 8-10 to 10 point loss. And that was really hard for me to swallow because I'm super competitive. <laughs> but it did make me coach different ways. And and I think it led me to some success later in my career. What you know, you said coach some different ways. How would you describe your your coaching style or your mentality when you're coaching? Yeah, the game of basketball. I mean, I'm all, all about consistencies, and uh, everybody kind of has their flow, right? Their game, their style. 
and I'm one that loves to play fast. I, I, I want to say I'm a player's coach, and we hear that a lot, but I like I like an upbeat style. We like to pressure the basketball. Yeah. We're coming after you. We'll run and shoot. And we're, and we're, yeah, we're yeah. running. We're, shooting, we're playing a fun style because nowadays uh, it, it is entertainment as well, and you, you want people to come watch you, uh, to, to enjoy their time watching you, not just the win and the loss and, and coming to watch a certain kid. They, I want them to enjoy our brand, our style, right. what we put out there. Now, with high school kids, you have to go with what you're dealt with at times. So, uh, you know, defensively, we're not going to change many things. But offensively, you have to gear, gear it towards those guys that are, that are in the trenches that are going to make the place for you down the stretch to help you win games. Yeah. What's been the most challenging player or team that you ever had? You don't have to, you know, drop drop names. You can keep some of it on the DL, but yeah, call them something weird or whatever. But I think people can <laughs> learn from other people's adversity, right? Especially when they triumph over that. So walk us through like a time that you were like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it, whether it was a team or an individual player, and what finally clicked to make it make the switch and make a change and move it from a negative to a positive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we can answer this one in several different ways. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that I just finished my second year at the high school I'm currently at. And prior to that, I had taken a three-year leave from head coaching in high school. And I went and coached club for three years for various reasons. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question in a few different ways, sure. number one, sometimes the kid that is the most talented or the team that is most talented can, can be very stressful. Right. And, and especially the era we're coaching in right now, because then the parent comes in, you know, are they at a good enough spot for their kid? Are they, you know, are they, are they pushing them to get recruited at a very young age when they're not just embracing the process, knowing that the head coach has those kids' best interests at heart, too, and has a great opportunity to help push him even more um, yeah. to, the, to those ultimate goals? I think, obviously, a lot of people can jump on board with a successful team. Uh, you know, as you're having more success, as your team's having more success and everybody wants to be a part of it, everybody right. wants to say, I've had those years. And it's like the more, you know, everybody says, well, you, you know, winning's a band-aid, winning covers up a lot of problems. That's not necessarily true. I think sometimes maybe it is, but uh, is it fake or is it, you know what I mean? We want right. genuine, we want authentic. So those are the challenges I, I feel, especially in the era we coach in now, that you almost have to have more of a Phil Jackson approach and it's as much about the middle game and, and the motivation and management as it is just coaching and X's and O's right. and the things that get thrown at you in high school coaching, Monica. Now it's just, you know, you can't just show up at the gym from three to five and run practice and then game time. There's so many more things that go into it. You know, you and I talked a lot about this past week. We talked about energy versus stuff. Well, yeah. energy for me is, you know, getting in practice, let's go. You know, let's get out. Right, right. Now, in the in the vein of this whole thing about brand you've mentioned, you want people to come see your your team and respect the brand. And, and I know that goes, you know, on the court and off the court because I know that you're holding them accountable as, as young people on and off the court. What do you think about, personally, about this name, image, and likeness? Is it going to be the death of sports? Is it helping? Is it time, finally, for athletes to, you know, uh, programs? have been making money on their backs, literally, the jer- the name on the backs of jerseys. W- what do you think about name, image, and likeness? It's kind of like the movie Back to the Future 2. I remember watching that movie in 1985. <laughs> okay. I'm serious and thinking, no way we're ever going to be able to see on the other end of the phone who we're talking to. Uh-huh. And, then it, and then, you know, back then it was 2015, and then it comes true. So 
Now, people have talked about that for so long. You know, when are, when are college players going to get paid? And I remember, remember doing a speech on this my very first year in college. Really? Baptist University. Yes, on why my stance was why college athletes should get paid. And it's coming true. So, again, it, it is what it is. It's out of the control of us. Right. From, especially me as a high school coach. What I see is the transfer portal more so than the NIL. I mean, if, if people okay. are going to pay for the name and the image and likeness, I mean, I think they deserve their money. Right. right. If, right. If, if, if that's uh, who's going to say who want, is going to say no to that. And if they've earned it with their work ethic and their talent, uh, go get it where you're seeing it uh, maybe cause some frustrations with coaches or programs or continuity is, you know, the bouncing around with the transfer portal. And again, I don't have a super strong opinion on that just yet as mm-hmm. new as it is. Right. We However, gotta, gotta I do see. think it's trick. It's trickling down to the high school levels though. Mm-hmm. What, what scares me at the high school and club levels is, if they're not in a situation right away where they contribute, can contribute at the var- highest level, the varsity level, just like a college kid graduating and he wants to make 150 right out of the gates, they're, they're going to go look for something else. It, it, it's, it's hurting the process of evolution, and that's the purity of high school um, sports and club sports when you're developing kids into young men. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that would be my that, – that's my fear right now, but it's so early on. And who knows what happens with it all. Right. We're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, let's switch gears here a, a little bit because you have had some successes. I let the, the the listeners know about on the business side as well, um, co-founding a, a startup, a, a successful startup app you did. And you've done a multitude of things, franchise owner. You and I had the opportunity of, of meeting, working with the Carding Group. Where we were doing some work um, with the St. Louis Prison uh, Correction Department of Correction. Directions. And one of the things that we were charged to do, people, was to help these other employees find their voice so they could take this positive message back to other employees. And it spread and changed literally the, the culture from where it is in a lot of prisons. Nothing against the Department of Corrections in, in Missouri. This is wherever because it's tr- traditionally in our country what the culture has been. But there was some work, really good work done out there to change that culture to be more positive and be more inclusive and to have it spread. And what uh, specifically Josh and I were charged to do was to help people that don't normally talk, don't have a podcast, not up used to getting in front of people and giving a message for them to find their voice. And I was reminded, Josh, and you and I talked about this, how much of a fear it is for people to literally do public speaking, even when they know the people that they're getting ready to talk to. Um, so I, I you know, know people struggle with this from an expert like yourself. What would be like the top three things you would tell someone looking to find more confidence using their voice? How do they get there? How do they just get more comfortable with being a better public speaker? Yeah, I mean, I think I have some general tips. And again, some of those things just come naturally, right? But why do they come naturally? So I know it comes naturally to you. I found that out quick, and we hit it (laughs) off. There had to be some experiences earlier in our life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that led it into more of a natural progression into being able to get in front of people and demanding the room and owning the crowd and also feeling people and making people in front of you feel valued. Good point, yeah. And I I can date back to, you know, my, my mom and dad, you know, having me sing solos in church. Okay. Was I scared? Yeah, at five or six, it, it becomes fun. I liked, hey, I like the people cheering for me. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I liked that. And uh, some people don't like being in the center of attention, but I, and then in sports. I mean, in sports, you're in front of people, whether you're running out of the starting yep. lineup or you're just, you have to perform 
or you're going to get embarrassed. And, and I don't like being embarrassed. So what I would say, gearing this towards people and getting them out of their comfort zone is you can't get out of your comfort zone until you're out, out of it, mm. right? And you can't get out of your comfort zone in a game seven situation. So you have to get out of that comfort zone in practice situations, which you and I were able to do right. in some breakout practice sessions. Lastly, I think teaching them to ask catch all questions and get engagement in the audience. So you don't have to work so hard and be just a talking head right. is huge. I like that. Um, so again, there's some skill sets to it. And, uh, you know, sometimes speaking in front of your peers and talking in front of your peers is, is harder than talking in front of a group of 5,000 of people that you don't know. Right. And they figured that out pretty quick. And then lastly, I would just say being prepared. I mean, getting up early in the morning, preparing what you're going to do and preparing those conversations both positive and negative and kind of looking for some reactions and guessing on some reactions that you might get so you can have some counters in your back pocket. But it really all comes down uh, to repetition, repetition, repetition. And I hear you. Y'all heard the coach told y'all now it, it just prepare and skill and drill, right? And create those yeah. situations where you, you know that you've got to move without of your comfort zone. You, you can't take go to that next level um, unless you're willing to be uncomfortable. And then if you if you prepped well and you skill and drill it, then you'll get more and more comfortable. All right, it's our time for our two-minute drill here. This is where Uh-oh. I'm going to ask you. I'm just going to rattle off one or two things without any explanation. Yeah. Hey, I'm not very good at this. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Without <laughs> any explanation, you just decide between one or two. Like, I I may say sausage or bacon. You don't get to tell me why. You just say sausage or bacon. Then after that round, it. I'll give you an opportunity to talk a little more in depth about it. Okay, here we go. Tattoos or piercings? Tattoos. Watch sports or play sports? Play sports. Smartest person in the world or richest person in the world? Smartest person in the world. Time machine or magic wand? Time machine. Passion or stability? Passion. Growth or security? Growth. Skill or popularity? Skill. I know the answer to this one. Poor and happy or rich and miserable? Poor and happy. Broke is a joke with a smile on our face, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll, That's right. We'll figure out how to eat later, That's but we're right. going gonna to be happy. All right. Now now you can, uh, thank you for playing that. Now you can give me a little more information on these because I'm really curious about this one. Would you rather, Josh, would you rather have a conversation with an ancestor of yours or a future great, great, great grandchild and why? Oh my gosh, I would rather talk. With a future, future grandchild oh, of mine. Okay, and why? My wife and I talk about this all the time. We have kids. You know, mm-hmm, we have right. we have a 15 year old son, a 14 year old son, and a fifth grade daughter. And I remember my parents saying all the time, and even to this day, like we're, we're not worried about ourselves. We, we're we're good, but we are worried about your future, and we're really worried about our grandkids' futures, which yeah. is which are my kids, right? And uh, I can see why that now that I'm getting older and my kids, you know, that, that, that they're a little bit worried about that. Right, right. Yeah, like, is it so, going to be air they're going to even be able to breathe? Like, you know, right. they're going to be walking Absolutely. around with masks so be, on or polar bears going to attack them because they walking around the street. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy. 100%. Right? I'm curious to know the changes as fast as this world's moving, the changes that are going to happen, uh, you know, three to four generations down the road from us. And are they still uh, being true to the name that my ancestors established uh, for our family and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Now, I think I might know the answer to this one, but who is your hero and why? 
My dad. Yeah, I knew it was going to be your dad. But why specifically? Yeah. Other than the fact he, that uh, he helped create you. <laughs> right. Many different reasons. Uh, you know, my dad and I didn't have a brother. I always wanted a brother. But my dad was my best man at my wedding. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was back when I was 26. But he just he taught me everything I know from sports uh, to how to live a life to to you know, how to run a family, how to manage a team. And he's, uh, but more than anything, the thing I've respected and still to this day about my dad is he will fight for his family at the drop of a hat. He was mentally tough. He was physically tough. Uh, you know, he's an ex-Marine. He's fought in Vietnam. And even to this day, he's not scared of a conversation if he knows he's speaking up for what's right. Mm, I know. And uh, he just, he uh, he's a real deal. And you know, I love him. He's going through some tough times right now just with some injuries and getting older and, and age. But uh, I've never once, even through all of his trying and testing times, seen him in a bad mood. Wow. Yeah, well, not, I would tell you this. You're doing a real daggone good job. Um, everything that you said about your dad, I see in you as a man, just even from the little bit of time that we've been able to, to spend together. And I'm hoping for more time. I'm going to ask you this final question and then ask people where they can find you. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or yeah. alive, who would you invite to the table? And other than me, there's four people I know I'm coming over. I don't mean that. Oh, I'm talking know, about, yeah, I know, you know I'm coming. It. So four people, I already took my spot. The other three, who are we eating with? <laughs> okay, let's see here. In no particular order, okay. I would 100% go with Kobe Bryant. Okay, okay. I would also go with Tom Brady. Okay. And I would go with David Goggins. David Goggins. There's a lot of people on my list, but I, I think those three right now, currently, I would go with all those three: Kobe, Tom, and David Goggins. Okay, tell me, tell me why. Just give me one sentence, real quick, on each, or real short on each of them. Why? Kobe was up at three thirty in the morning, four a.m., and I it, it, unbelievable the work ethic he mm -hmm. had and what he put into the game. And I never thought anybody would be close to MJ, and he's as, he's as good as it gets. Got and that he, right. I also respected how successful he was in business yeah. after getting out at the right time. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I miss him. Right. I hear that. Tom Brady, TB12, Tom versus time. It is amazing to me. I want to know what he puts in his body <laughs> other than supplements, <laughs> his diet. But to go out there at 43 years old, which is just, a, and, and now he's about my age and win a Super Bowl and compete, that is just unbelievable. But the mental drive he had, uh, within to just dominate and compete. And he was so clutch. Yeah. Dave is my dude. Like he, he wrote the book, uh, you can't hurt me. It's probably, I read a lot and okay. it's, uh, he's the one that got me started reading a lot because it was so amazing to me, the story he had from birth till now. And he's still getting after he just wrote another book, never finished. It's about mastering the mind, and uh, that's one tough guy right there. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna have to try to see if we can get that uh, that dinner. We do one of them holograms for for Kobe, um, I guess, right? And and see if we can get this <laughs> dinner done. He was he was an amazing player. Uh, I, I think he was a really good dad as well. So I'm sure you you yes. respect that um, from him as as well. And Tom. <laughs> See, I find Tom problematic, and we don't have enough time to really get all into it. But he's not one of hey, my favorites. But I, I you we know, can go he, with, we can go with Tiger. Tiger's my boy too. Okay, all right. I'm yeah. Well, I was gonna say. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to sit next to you and Kobe. I don't even want to be looking at Tom. Wherever I sit, next time I'm with you though. I'm wearing my TB12 oh, shirt. Come on, man. Let's not have our first fight so soon. Okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> come on, bro. But uh -huh. he, he was a good. I can I can't take away from him that that he's an amazing athlete. 
I don't know if he's going to you know. eat with us because, like you, I don't know if he actually is a robot, if he eats real food or whatever. I'd love to put some burgers on, on there and some French fries and see what would happen. But um, anyway, brother, you're going to have to come back because we didn't even get into all of the business stuff that you've done and accomplished. I wanted to talk about, you know, being a, a co-founder and you sold your your company uh, to Team Snap. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's baller right there. I wish I'd have yeah. known that when we were together. I would have asked you for five dollars. Um, um, hey, it doesn't matter because I'm still poor, but I'm happy. Poor, okay, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Right? Where can people find you? Are you doing social media? What's next for you? You going to write a book about coaching? Like, Talk to the people. How can we keep up with uh, well, the Buff Master? I appreciate that. I'm on social media, and I'm not <clears throat> crazy with it, but I am. I'm on Twitter uh, at, at, Josh, at Buffington Josh. I'm sorry. Okay. And uh, you can find me, Josh Buffington, on Facebook, Joshua Buffington on Instagram. But I'm really – I'm a big Twitter user. Okay. Uh, So that's probably the best way. And what's next for me, uh, I'll let you know tomorrow. I take it a day at a time. I know that's I will tell you this. I love coaching. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It is getting harder to coach high school uh, sports. But uh, but I'm going to do it as long as I can, as long as they want me. Um, I love business. I love speaking and consulting and coaching in the business world. And it's funny you said that about a book. I've been saying I'm going to write my first book for the longest time. And, and right now I've, I've began to do so. I'm putting thoughts on paper. So okay. who knows what it'll turn out and who knows it'll sell if it'll sell one copy, but I don't care. It's, it'll be, it'll be great for uh, my family and myself. Well, absolutely. And you already got two uh, copies sold here. I'm going to buy a copy. Shane, our producer, he's going to buy a copy. So, you, you know, I can get Lois to buy one as long as you sign them. So that's three books. And so only three yeah, million we'll left put, to sell. And Shoot. just promote that on your social media pages. And you already and we'll know. we'll blow that thing up. I got you, brother. I got you. Thank you so very much, Josh, for stopping by the huddle, dropping some gems, some knowledge for the people. You keep winning, brother, and I am sure I will talk to you sooner than later. 100%. Thank you for having me on. It was awesome. Had a blast. And anytime, I'd love to hook up again. Heck to the year. Peace. Peace. All right. Peace. See ya. That was an amazing interview. Um, Again, people remember what we talked about. Just take some kind of action. Get out there. Have a fantastic week. And this has been another episode of The Huddle. I'm your host, Monica D. Livingston Moe. And Lo will be back next week. Peace and hair grease. You've been listening to The Huddle with Moe and Lo podcast. For more information, visit BLEAV.com or click on the programs tab and the Huddle with Moe and Lo page at D. DCRadio.gov. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.